Mike Rags and Todd Burlidge with a Blue Gold Report podcast. Fighting Irish sports from the inside out. Subscribe to the Blue Gold Report. It's not just talk, it's the Blue Gold Report. Welcome to another edition of Blue Gold Report. I'm Todd Burlidge. I'll be your host today. Joined again, as always, by Mason Plummer, my trusty co-host here. Does a great job. Ball State student, slapthesign.com. You can find him on Twitter, at Mason Plummer, numeral six. You can find me at Todd Burlidge. Boy, Mason, we have a lot to cover, my friend. Uh, Chip Long, out of here. Kind of came as a surprise to most. We'll talk about, is Tommy Reese the logical choice? Is he the right choice uh, to fill in? Notre Dame gets what was expected, a trip to Orlando for the Camping World Bowl on December 28th. A lot of yawns here in South Bend, but a lot of excitement in Iowa State. Those folks are really excited about this trip. Notre Dame, not so much. Obviously, signing day is Wednesday, the 18th. Mason's going to break all that down for us. Tell us what to expect. The impact that Chip Long leaving has on the offensive recruits. Men's hoops, it was an interesting couple weeks for Mike Bray. I'm going to bust into a little bit of that. We won't spend a ton of time on hoops. Uh, The women are not very good. But as we start every show, let's get to some blue gold nuggets. I have a three-pack. Speaking of the Camping World Bowl, it is officially a noon start on ABC. Iowa State travels well, Mason. Um, they, they sold out San Antonio last year, their allotment of tickets, against Washington State. So if you can sell out Washington State, Iowa State, and San Antonio, you know you're doing well. Well, Iowa State has already sold out its 8,000-seat allotment of tickets for the Orlando game. So they're coming. They're coming to town. They're coming to play, and good for them, man. Uh, They're going to be excited. Uh, That's what I think is going to be the Cyclones' advantage here. We'll break it down a little bit more. Brandon Wimbush transferred to Central Florida to finish his career and boost his NFL stock. Well, guess what he's done there. He's not going to mess around even with the bowl game. Three Beards podcast, he was on there, and he said that he is not going to participate in preparations and or the game itself for the Bad Boy Motors Gasparilla Bowl against Marshall. I just wanted to say that. I'm going to say it again, Mason. The Bad Boy Motors Gasparilla Bowl. Uh, he's not going to be... a wonderful name. <laughs> it really is. The BBMGB, we'll call it. Um, he's going to start prepping for the NFL. He wants to be drafted as an athlete. The five quarterbacks here at Notre Dame that have transferred for their uh, their graduate year, none of them have ever played in a bowl game. Dane Christ, Kansas 2012, Andrew Hendricks, Miami, Ohio 2014, Malik Zaire, Florida 2017. None of those teams even qualified for a bowl game. And then Everett Golson skipped his bowl game in 2015 at Florida State for personal reasons. My favorite blue gold nugget, because he's my favorite player on the team, Kyle Hamilton, no surprises here, was named by Pro Football Focus as a first-team freshman All-American. He's a big part of why Notre Dame's pass efficiency defense was ranked number five in the country this year. Pro Football Focus, it's it's a very, in, if folks that aren't familiar with it, it's, it's worth looking into. It, it's very in-depth. It's very analytical, I guess we'll call it. They gave him a 3.0 passer rating when he was targeted this year, which was the best mark in the country. So quarterbacks threw at Kyle Hamilton 22 times this year. Four times he picked him off. Five times he broke him up. Six times they were just incomplete passes. Seven times passes were completed of those 22 against Kyle Hamilton 
for only 74 yards and no TDs. That dude is a bad you-know-what. Mason, what's going on, man? Glad to be back on the show. Glad to be talking about the bowl game. Well, let's jump into Chip Long here right out of the gate. When we were kind of texting a little bit, I at least got the impression that you're somewhat behind the thought that Tommy Reese might take over here. Let me start. Let me let me back up a little bit. Chip Long, actually, Notre Dame did set a record, a program record this season. It was number 13 in the nation with 37.1 points per game. But they couldn't score against Georgia and Michigan. I guess here's my problem with Chip Long a little bit. The last three losses, three points scored against Clemson, 17 against Georgia, 14 against Michigan. Meanwhile, your playoff teams this past weekend scored 37, 34, 62, and 30. I guess first, let me start with this, Mason. Were you surprised by the news that he was leaving? Did you see that coming at all? I heard whispers about uh, Chip Long not having a great relationship with the players, and he's kind of an old-school coach, and that old-school style has left quite a long time ago. He liked to get in the face of players. He liked to be loud with players. I have no problem with that. I think that sometimes guys need to be put in their place. But at the same time, uh, some guys don't respond to that well. Right. And I think his play calling in big games uh, just kind of put him put himself in a bad spot. And Notre Dame needs to start winning those big games. You know, it looks great to beat a Bowling Green or something by 40. But if you can't get it done in the big game, what does that mean? So it's a move I think skipper for both sides. And I'd like to see Chip Long do well for himself in the future, whether that's at Memphis or wherever he ends up. But where Notre Dame goes for offensive coordinator, something I'm really interested in. Yeah, and that and that's the big question now. I'm personally of the thought that at least shop the job around a little bit. I mean, when you look what LSU did um, when it brought in Joe Brady, we've watched LSU play great defense for years, and now they bring in Joe Brady from the New Orleans Saints as their, their uh, passing game coordinator. And look what he's done down there. I kind of look at that. Obviously, all roads seem to lead to Tommy Reese. Tom Reese being the new, the quarterback's coach, being promoted here. And understandably so. I think it's easy for coaches to promote within. Obviously, there's a love affair between Brian Kelly and Reese. There's no secret there. That goes back to Reese's playing time here. Reese will get his audition in this Camping World Bowl. He will, I think, sort of be sort of the pseudo offensive coordinator with me chip long it was his relationship with offensive line coach jeff quinn that really soured soured things especially for long the running game has sucked i mean it's just not been very good this year the passing game has obviously been great but i i just think there was a disconnect between long and quinn and i think long actually put it i i heard that long actually put it to brian kelly Either he goes or I go. And so, obviously, Brian Kelly's long relationship with Quinn that dates all the way back to Grand Valley State brought Long long out the door. So what are your thoughts, Mason, when it comes to Tom Reese? Is he up to this challenge? He's a young coach. I'd rather see him shop this job around a little bit, see what he could do. Is Tom Reese the answer? I think he could be the answer if this was like four or five years in the future. I think he doesn't have enough experience quite yet. I love him as a quarterback's coach because nobody knows what it's like to be a quarter, Notre Dame quarterback better than Tom Reese. He had the ups and a lot of the downs. Turnover Tommy, as a lot of fans like to call him. But um, he seems to have found his place as a quarterback's coach, and I hate to see him throw that away and uh, potentially ruin a job at Notre Dame as an offensive coordinator. He's doing a great job as a quarterback's coach, and he's doing great things, and he's uh, 
he's has a good relationship with the guys in the quarterback room at the moment. So um, I somewhere I'd like to see him do that for a couple more years. And yeah, I'd, I'm in the camp of uh, shopping the job around a little bit and seeing what you can find and uh, try uh, try a couple guys out maybe and just get some interviews and just you know just see what happens. Yeah, I, I'm totally with you. You know, I guess if you are going to slide Tom Reese into this role. Boy, this is the year to do it. Unfortunately, we're taping this before the awards banquet comes out tonight, Friday night, um, at Notre Dame there. And a lot of times that's when you get the announcements from players, whether or not they're coming back for a fifth year. I am very, very confident that Ian Book is coming back for a fifth year. So as we talk about Tom Reese potentially getting this job as OC here at ND, think about what he has, Mason, coming back. Ian Book. The entire offensive line. I think Tony Jones Jr. is coming back, so you get your entire stable of running backs back. And you have Cole Komet, the number one rated tight end in the entire nation here. Boy, you talk about a nice safety net if you want to break if you want to break in as an offensive coordinator. I think that works to Reese's favor. Because of that, I almost think that might be the way Brian Kelly goes. Any thoughts on that? Uh, I think, yeah, he definitely does have a great stable of talent, you know, returning or likely to return. And I think, uh, I think Chip Long leaving actually helps Ian Book's decision and, and probably staying. But yeah, I mean, it just depends on where the program wants to go. This is a huge decision and this could really change the, the future of the Notre Dame football as we see in the next couple of years, whether, uh, whether Brian Kelly decides to go outside his coaching tree outside the program which he's had success with with right. his defensive coordinators, or if he decides to stay in-house and go with Reese, I mean, I'll support either, either decision as long as it makes sense and uh, takes the program in a good direction. I think you made a great point there, Mason, because when you look at it, Brian Kelly has always been loyal to his staff. You look at a guy like Mike Elston who's been there forever, and, and he always kind of goes back to guys he's familiar with, and I understand that. A lot of times the smart way to go, you know what you're going to get, but sometimes do you know what you're going to get? When he brought in Brian Van Gorder, which they had a coaching history together at Grand Valley State, obviously that didn't go well when he came in as the defensive coordinator. It seemed like Brian Kelly's best coaching moves came after that crappy 4-8 and 2016 season when he brought in Mike Elko and Chip Long as his new offensive and defensive coordinators. They've won 10 games every year since. So I think he needs to go down that road again. We better move on here and talk a little bit about this Camping World Bowl here. It's a pretty good football team. You wouldn't really know it by the 7-5 and five record with Iowa State we're talking about here. But those five losses came by a total of 21 points total. Um, and these are based, the, what I'm going to run down here is based on the college football playoff rankings uh, they lost to number four Oklahoma, obviously a playoff team, forty-two to forty-one. They lost to number seven, num- number seven Baylor, twenty-three twenty-one. Number sixteen Iowa, eighteen to seventeen, and number twenty-five Oklahoma State, thirty-four twenty-seven. Those four games all came down to the final possession. They lost their season finale to a pretty good Kansas State team, twenty-seven seventeen. This is a dangerous team, Mason, because when I look at these sort of bowl matchups, Notre Dame not all that into it. They think they should be in an Elite Six bowl game. They're not. Iowa State has never played Notre Dame before and has never played a bowl game in Florida before. These guys are jacked up. Yeah, I think it it potentially could be, and I I liken it to, you know, a lot of, it's like an old-timer saying, but 
when a team like Iowa State, who doesn't get to play Notre Dame, and this is, you know, Iowa State's a good program, but, you know, a, a bowl game against Notre Dame is just about at their peak. And, you know, this is, for lack of a better word, this is their Super Bowl, you know what I mean? Right, playing, exactly. Uh, playing, playing Notre Dame is huge, and they would love nothing more than to spoil uh, Notre Dame trying to get to 11 wins um, for back-to-back seasons. So, um, yeah, they're going to come in playing hard, and I expect – I expect nothing less. They have a great great head coach, a great quarterback, yeah. and that could solve danger for anybody. Yeah, for sure. You mentioned the head coach, Matt Campbell. He's in his fourth year. They've won at least seven games now, three seasons in a row. That's the first time it ha- it's happened at Iowa State in 40 seasons. You know what? We have a clip here. We, we, we're talking about the excitement level of, of going in here. Let's pop in this clip. This is Jamie Pollard. He, the, he is the athletic director at Iowa State. And you can feel the enthusiasm in his voice. It's a wonderful opportunity. It's the first time Iowa State will have ever played a bowl game in the state of Florida. It's an opportunity to play on national TV, on ABC. It's an opportunity for our seniors to, um, you know, as I just told the seniors, they'll be able to tell their children, their grandkids, you know, that their last time that they strapped it up in an Iowa State uniform was the first team ever to play a bowl game in Florida and to play Notre Dame. And for our underclassmen, it's the first game of next year because this is a wonderful opportunity to send a big message about what the future holds for Iowa State football. You know, Mason, it kind of goes back to exactly what we're talking about here. Iowa State is first bowl trip to Florida. Notre Dame's been there 11 times with a 4-7 and seven record. Iowa State is a dangerous opponent mainly because of their quarterback, Brock Purdy. I don't know if you've done any research on him yet, but this cat is, is the real deal. 66% completion percentage, 27 touchdowns, 9 interceptions. He's in the top 20 nationally in passing yards, 313 yards a game, passing efficiency, completion percentage, and touchdowns. I tried to compare that with Ian Book. Ian Book didn't has not yet reached 3,000 yards as Purdy had. He is 2787 yards, 33 TDs, and 6 picks, which is 3 Fewer than uh, Purdy. To me, Mason, it's a matchup of tight ends and quarterbacks. Because you look at, uh, we just talked about the quarterbacks. Cole Komet, 41 receptions, 482 yards, 6 touchdowns. Purdy throws to a guy by the name of Charlie Kolar, who had 48 receptions, 675 yards, and 7 TDs. This is really going to be a battle, I think, between two quarterbacks. To me, I just think whatever quarterback plays better gets this done. Yeah, I think so, too. And Brock Purdy can really swing it. And when Ian Book's playing at his best, he can swing it as well. But, um, you know, I think it could be a game where the where both quarterbacks, you know, it could be a high-scoring game where the quarterbacks throw it. But with, I've watched some Iowa State uh, as I was finishing up finals this week and when I had free time. And they like to drop eight a lot, okay. even, even in short yardage situations. So I have a feeling that they're going to just dare Notre Dame to run the ball like they've proven that they can't losing the right side of their line and uh, just hasn't been a cohesive unit. And um, Jafar Armstrong, he hasn't recovered very well from his injury. Um, Tony Jones in the past couple of games hasn't been great. And you've really got no other production running the ball other than Ian Book. So um, if they can throw the ball, I think they're going to win this game easily. But if Iowa State tries to take that away and uh, tries to make Notre Dame run, we could be in for it. That's interesting, Mason. Did as you were kind of doing your study, because I know writing for SlapTheSign.com, you do these game previews, so you have to do a lot of homework. Anything else kind of jump out at you at Iowa State? 
Um, uh, their offense is uh, interesting. It's not. I, I think it's unlike anything Notre Dame has really seen this season. Uh, yeah, Brock Purdy really likes to sling it. It's not a team that relies too much on the run, but um, it's a strength versus strength kind of thing where Durden can really defend the pass and uh, Iowa State can really sling it. But I feel like uh, Notre Dame's ability to defend the pass outweighs their strength of being able to throw it. So, um, yeah, well, I mean, we'll see. It's going to be a grudge match for sure. It was an interesting choice by the committee or whomever, the, the, the bowl committee, the Camping World Bowl committee, to choose Iowa State because – it's the third place team in the Big Twelve. They were up against Texas. They were up against Oklahoma State. They were up against Kansas State. So those are three pretty good teams, especially since Kansas State beat Iowa State in the regular season finale. But the committee thought Iowa State was the real deal. And apparently since their ticket allotment is sold out, they really are. So it's gonna be a it's it's gonna be a hell of a ball game. Notre Dame's only a three and a half point favorite in this one. Mason, we better get to some recruiting because Wednesday is a big day with this early signing period. What is the impact of Chip Long? Are, are there any ripple effects here with Chip Long stepping down here from the offensive recruits here coming in for the 2020 class? Yeah, so early on in the week when there was just rumblings about Chip Long potentially leaving, um, there seemed to be like a mass kind of small, smaller version of a freakout where, uh, you know, right before signing day, Chip Long decides that he wants to up and leave when he's been a guy that's been on these at-home visits promising, you know, hey, this is what we want to do with you in the offense, stuff like that. Mm. And who knows how long he's been potentially thinking about leaving, but it's just a horrible timing. And not that you want to have guys signing thinking right. that Long is going to be the offensive coordinator, but at the same time, you know, a big change right before signing day is enough to, to throw a 17-, 18-year-old kid off. So, um, But Brian Kelly and the staff, especially Lance Taylor, did a great job of making these at-home visits. The, the guys that they were most concerned about and the fan base as a whole should have been most concerned about was uh, Xavier Watts, Michael Mayer, and Chris Tyree. They all had in at-home visits this past week, and uh, each is expected to sign in the early signing period on December 18th, this upcoming Wednesday. Um, you know, it's it's a little bit of a new school thing to do, but when you see them tweet out the pictures of, uh, you know, with Brian Kelly right. and whoever, whatever assistant coach he brought with him, you know, they, they say that they're excited to sign on Wednesday, you know, great at-home visit, meant a lot to me, you know, whatever they say, that's a really big deal. And if you don't see that, there's there's uh, there's probably a problem, but all three of them tweeted something out, so that's huge. And then, um, yeah, but, you know, there was slight concern, but I think everything should be fine. They must use the right words and make sure that these guys still feel like important pieces. Are, are you comfortable with the way that Notre Dame, beyond Chip Long, handled this? Yeah, I think they handled it just about as good as you can. You know, it's hard to tell how long they how long they've known about Chip Long right. leaving, but or potentially thinking about leaving. But you know, they handle it as good as they can. That's a lot of travel, but uh, and the players know that too. You know, they don't all live in the same neighborhood, so traveling from state to state, from coast to coast, making sure that they feel like a priority, and uh, it, I, I think that's huge, and that definitely paid off. Yeah, for sure, and, and I saw the tweets as well. Can we expect any surprises before we move on to a quick fly-by hoops? Is there anything that, that, that might surprise you? Expect Notre Dame to get the whole class in place uh, here on Wednesday? Is there any surprises that could pop up? No, it should be the third straight year where everybody signed in the early signing period, which is huge. That's the sign of a healthy program. The only slight concern that you, that you have if you're looking forward to the 2021 class, which is currently ranked number one on 24-7 sports, is the uh, the big guys, Lorenzo Styles and Deion Colby, both wide receivers. 
uh, Styles is expected to play corner, but nevertheless, um, those are guys that Chip Long talked with heavily, and they still have a whole year to decide what they want to do rather than a yeah. couple days. So um, all signs are still pointing toward good things. You know, they've they've been they've put out some good quotes saying that they're all excited to still be at uh, committed to Notre Dame and everything. But you know, a lot can change in a year. But I wouldn't I would worry so much about the twenty twenty guys, but. Styles and Colsey in 2021 are guys I'd be a little bit concerned about, but hardly at all. Yeah, it's a great point, too, because they can sit back and see exactly what Notre Dame comes up with here. Um, so we'll, we'll keep an eye on that moving forward. Yeah, it's a great point, Mason. All right, let, let me quick make a quick flyby here, Hoops. Mike Bray called the week the worst of his career here in 20 years at Notre Dame, and understandably so. Notre Dame goes out to Maryland to play the number 3 Terrapins and he thinks they're equipped. They'd won six straight games at home. They get crushed by 21. They score 52 points, not even a ball game. Then they come back, and they lose Robbie Carmody, uh because of a knee injury. He's gone for the year now. So they come back. They're moping around a little bit. And there's supposed to be a bounce-back game against Boston College, an ACC game, obviously, which is super important. They lose at home 73-72. to This is a team they'd beaten 13 times in a row, 17 of 18 going back 20 years, and they were a 13-point favorite, and they get beat at home, man. Rock bottom hit big time. Fortunately for Notre Dame, and I know it was a 1-7 Detroit Mercy team, but it did seem to be a little bit of an elixir for them. They won 110-71 here this past week. It was the most points ever scored by a Notre Dame team in regulation under Mike Bray. He had 116 points scored in a four-overtime game against Georgetown in 2002. And it was the most points scored for a Notre Dame program, for the Notre Dame program, since 1986, when Digger Phelps hung 126 on Miami, Florida. So here's Mike Bray. He's talking about, man, we were down, now we're up. Again, Detroit Mercy take it with a grain of salt. But it was kind of an interesting bounce back, and here's Mike Bray. When you're in the, the funk... And over 20 years, I've been in and out of the funk a lot, you know, and hopefully, luckily, I've gotten out of the funk quick enough to stay around 20 years. You know, it's probably one-third teaching, one-third challenging manhood, one-third giving confidence. Sunday was probably a little more of a challenge. Monday was a little more of, let's go. We got good players, and, and let's do it, and don't turn shots down. And, you know, and, and, and so I think that that's the balance point at, at any time, you know, with a team, especially when they have their butts kicked last week like we did. So Notre Dame plays UCLA today, Saturday, wherever. If you listen to podcasts, it's tomorrow. If you listen to radio show, it's today. 3 o'clock, Purcell Pavilion. It's the 50th meeting here. Bray was trying to celebrate the history with his team, Mason, but it didn't work because they suffered a really hard loss out in uh, L.A. last year, 65-62. So here's Bray again talking about how it's really not about the history, it's a, it's about recent history, what happened last year. So this you know, this is what I love about our group. So Saturday I, I kicked into, fellas, you know, you're going to get to be part of, of the UCLA Notre Dame history, TJ Gibbs cuts me. Goes the hell with that. We owe these guys. The way we lost out there is a hard one to swallow. That was a long flight back, and um, so I go, "You're right. Forget the history. I'll deal with that. We'll talk about it Friday. Read about it on the internet or whatever." For me personally, it's it'll be an awesome day. I think it's an awesome day, and it brings back a lot of memories. And um, 
it's an honor to be part of it. I know the history of it. So we'll see. I think this is a good test for Notre Dame to see where they are. Uh, UCLA is obviously not ranked, not a super proud program at this point. The women basketball, they've lost three in a row, 105-94 to 94 to DePaul last time out. Mason, anything to add on the hoops front? It's ugly, and you, you got to <laughs> hope for a turnaround. I think it's a more likely to turn around for the ladies coming up. You know, they've uh, they've had some good recruiting classes, and Muffet's a hell of a coach, but the guys might be on a downward spiral for a while, so uh might be tough to watch. Mason, I really appreciate all your help. As always, we will chat again next week. We'll kind of recap if any surprises or anything happen, and perhaps we'll get a little bit more into this Camping World matchup. We just didn't really have the time to do it on this show. Mason, Mason Plummer 6, numeral 6. That's his Twitter handle, at Mason Plummer 6. Find him on slapthesign.com. Thank you, Dio McComan, for sponsoring the show. Mason, be good, man. Have a good weekend. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm heading to Georgia at the moment, so enjoy the cold weather in South Bend, my guy. Ah, man, oh, man. You're the best. All right, thanks, Mason. This has been a presentation of Opt In Productions. Podcasts by Federated Media. Podcasts by Federated Media.